Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. Season 2, Higher Balance Classics, Timeless Teachings. Rebel Guru Radio is sponsored by Cramp Medic, the most powerful cramp fighting supplement on the market. I think it's an excellent product. I can honestly say for myself, and this is of course uh, difficult to say because it's coming from me, but I hope you take my word on it. I don't think there's anything out there better than Cramp Medic for leg cramps. I used to get them on a near daily basis, maybe every couple days. I know that uh, when I had my motorcycle or bicycle, uh, my legs would be the worst. I would wake up in the middle of the night in pain. Uh, there have been times where I've thought about, maybe I should go to the emergency room. Since I've used Cramp Medic, I probably use one serving and I will not have to reach into using this again probably for two, two and a half weeks. That is more than double what I felt was the recommended like once for every seven days. That's how effective it is. I do think that people need to use it for two to three times to build up somehow in your in your system. We have mainly all positive reviews. Apple cider vinegar is what is going to reduce, you know, acid buildup in your muscle tissue very rapidly. Cayenne pepper is going to expand your capillaries to move that blood into those tight cramping muscles that just do not want to let blood in there to soften it. It is very, very effective. It is going to get in there. Electrolytes very fast. It's going to do the job. It's just a great product. And that's what I have to say about it. Crampmedic.com. The other thing I wanted to say is the Higher Balance Institute store, HBI, or higherbalance.com. We've worked very hard at reducing and slashing the pricing, trying to keep it as a mainstay price forum. Uh, People have said over the years it's too expensive for them and they can't afford it. Uh, I don't know what the next excuse is going to be because it is extremely affordable. Um, We're doing our best to do that. Having Cramp Medic, finding other stuff to maneuver around so we can keep this thing going uh, has allowed us to bring those prices down. Uh, We do have a lot, a lot of material, a lot of classes that are really excellent, I feel. you know, going probably for several dollars, some of those classes. Uh, probably at least 70, 80% off of what we charge, maybe even more. Uh, one thing we may do is maybe change around in the store, like uh, uh, bi-monthly or something, which modules we're offering, because there's so many, I think people get lost in it. So if there is something you want, I strongly suggest you grab it before we start moving it around, but it will come available again. It just may take six months to a year before the, all those other ones start arriving. Uh, back for availability and we're going to start taking down some probably to try to keep some organization to just the the bulk of uh information here which i'm very proud of um so that's what i have to say in that please check out higher balance institute uh you know or higherbalance.com and uh support higher balance please get uh try out uh cramp medic for family friends anybody who has leg muscle problems or any kind of muscle problems in particular it it truly is the best product out there. No foams, no creams. You don't have to run to the bathroom if you're working at the office to put on foams on your leg by pulling on your pants and trying to get to your legs. Uh, No need for tablets. One shot, seven days, phenomenal. If you are interested in acquiring Eric Pepin's books, visit higherbalancebooks.com.
listen to what I'm going to say because it's profoundly important. Profoundly. To know what God is is to be able to truly serve God. Do you understand the profoundity of what I'm saying? Do you have any idea? Most people, in my opinion, don't have any idea what God is. And in my opinion, the ideas that they have of what God is isn't even remotely close to what God is. And in so doing, how is it that they are truly serving God rather than an ideal or an illusion of what they think it is? You may as well be serving the bicycle over in the corner of the room for that matter. So I've always believed that one of the most important things for anybody to be able to say they serve God or they want to serve God or they want to be a part of God, you must try to find the truest form of God that you can find. And that if you haven't really tried that, then you're not true to yourself and you're not true to the word that you want it, You want that for your life. In other words, it's just meaningless dribble that you're talking about and that you haven't really seriously considered anything. And I, I find it ironic that most people who, who say they want to serve God haven't really even looked outside of their own circle of what they believe God to be. In other words, if they're a Christian or if they're a Hindu or if they're a Buddhist or if they're Muslim, it's like, you know, you know, if you're going to understand what, what a flower is, it's okay to understand a flower, but don't you think it's more important to study as many flowers as you can so that you get an idea of the bigger picture maybe? So... To know what God is, is to ask yourself almost every day, how can I get to know God better? How can I get to know what God is? And that's really the truth. I have come to believe God and know God to be, in my opinion, as part of living organism. I believe that this entire universe is a portion of its body, its existence. Because I believe it is part of its existence, I believe that we are a very small microverse of the larger whole of what it is. I don't believe that God comes down to our planet and goes, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, you've got the gift for me and you don't. It's not to say that God selectively chooses anything in any manner that we'd like it to believe. No more differently than you selectively choose certain factors of your own inner universe's workings. What I do know is, is God wants life. God wants the prolification and forward motion of life. He wants to, or it wants to experience this dimension, this world, this reality. In essence, that is a core of understanding that it wants to live. Just the same way that you want to live, it wants to live. On a microverse way, you could say that your white cells of your body help to preserve the life and the wholeness of your entire being. That if they did not help you to preserve your whole being, your body, that all the red cells and all the organisms of your body wouldn't make any, wouldn't matter because you would die. You would die because of what? Outside viruses coming into your inner universe to destroy the mechanism that gives you life. On a larger level, or the macro versus the micro, you could say that certain individuals or beings are in this dimension in order to serve the Earth as a living organism so that the greater can survive or make it forward to whatever its destiny is. So, I believe this. If one wants to serve God, one has to understand God, 
or what God is. Once you have an understanding of God that relatively works very well and has a level of truth within yourself to understand it, that is when you can begin to serve it. And I believe in my particular belief of what God is. I believe that you have to find God by journeying within your own self. It's to say that you are energy. You are a consciousness of energy. And that consciousness of energy must be observed by yourself, studied by yourself, contemplated by yourself. You could say that a teacher's here to help you look at all those things. But by understanding your own inner dimensions, your own inner vibrations, your own inner consciousness, that you can vibrate your consciousness to approach or to meet a resignation, a vibration of where God exists. It's to say that you consciously reside here between your eyes and your skull. You could say that's where your consciousness resides. In all of this other part of your body, you have awareness. Well, it's to say that God's consciousness is somewhere. And in my opinion, it's a vibration. It's a, a frequency that's constantly here. It's constantly saying, I am here. The problem is, is nobody understands how to reach it, how to listen, how to reach that vibration. We think too much in terms of distance. In order to get from here to your house, we have to walk X amount of distance. God is not about how far away he is in those terms. God is right here. There's not a matter of distance that you need to travel as much as you need to octave yourself higher so that you tune into, so that you can hear what it's saying. Do you understand? That's what I believe. I believe to say that Adam and Eve were cast out of the Garden of Eden. I don't believe they were cast out of the Garden at all. I believe Eden is all around us. I believe it was our sight to see it that was removed. It was a sensory. Listen to what I'm saying. It was a sensory that was removed. Your five senses tell you how to smell, how to taste, how to hear, how to do all certain things. It's what keeps you in tune with this dimension. It's what keeps you at pace. It keeps you bringing in data that's converted into electrical energy for your mind, for your brain. Everything's converted into energy. The sixth sense, I believe, was the window to finding God. I believe it's still there, but I believe we separated ourselves from it. Call it evolution, call it whatever you want. By discovering this inner sense, this inner energy, this inner ability to have a sensory that has the ability to move into hyper dimension or higher dimensions of energy or higher frequencies, it is only through developing that sense that you may peer into where it, what it is you're really looking for. In other words, to know if something's hot or cold, you can reach out and touch it with your hand. Your eye isn't necessarily going to tell you if something's hot or cold. Maybe it'll give you the telltales of steam or something. But if it wasn't, your eyes can't tell you that. Neither can your ears. It's to say that if you were deaf, you couldn't hear if somebody was yelling around the corner for you. Your sensory is designed to give you knowledge in certain areas where others cannot. It's like dimensions. It's, it's hidden things. Each sensory has its array of things it can give you. Answers that you are looking for for your own well-being, for your own search, for your own need to, to expand upon your one thing that it gives you, knowledge. And that knowledge is designed to set you free. And what I'm saying to you is, is that this sixth sense, this 
ability that's been lost through evolution of man because we developed larger craniums and weapons and tools. We stopped using regions of our brain that should have brought us into another region where we should have had this other sense. And we would have been more spiritual as a species. We would have been more in tune with God as a, as a species of, of, call it mankind, if you will. But we, we lost that somehow. And all of mankind forever has been trying to find it again. And that is what the need of all human beings is to find their relationship with God. Even red cells are trying to find something. They feel that they're supposed to. Some of us just have it greater than others. It's what happened, what split mankind from that from that union was evolution. It was the, the lack of using a certain portion of our brain with other sensories we remained. The need to find the sixth sense, the elusive sixth sense, is a natural instinct in my opinion. The sixth sense is just as capable of multiple functions as your hands or your eyes or your ears. Are your ears exclusively just designed to hear conversation? Or can your ears hear music that moves your spirit? Can your ears hear and, and let you know of danger or of communication of, of a different form? Your eyes, are your eyes purely designed to see or can your eyes not move your spirit? Can your eyes not save your life? Can your eyes not read or tell you of things that, that are not just in generality? Can they not deliver knowledge in other ways by reading books? Your tongue, your hands, all of these things, they don't serve just a specific thing. The sixth sense is, is multi-talented. It's multi-capable. It, it has a variety of things that it can deliver for you. It's up to you to practice it, to find it, to discover it, to exercise it. So, when you meditate or when you do your spiritual work, what you're really doing is you're trying to develop that sixth sense, that sense that's been ignored, that sense that has not been worked with, that sense that has not been trained or taught. And you're trying to teach it, and it's very weak in the beginning because it, it hasn't been exercised like all of your other senses. Your other senses have been trained to help you survive, so they have been mandatory in many ways. And the ones that do not necessarily have to deal with direct survival so much are the weaker ones. For instance, the scent of smell. The ability of smell, I should say. So the sixth sense is a matter of bringing it forward. It's a matter that the more that you use it, the more that you become aware of another world. It's to say, if you're a musician and you listen to music all the time and you, you play music, what is it most of the time that in your reality of life that you relate to? Music. You hear it all the time. You hear it in doors shutting. You hear it in people hollering. You always hear rhythms or patterns. It's where you exist. And an artist who uses his eyes, the artist sees always colors and shapes and shadows. So what happens when you start to use your sixth sense? your dimensional world comes forward. You begin to see more of that reality than others do. You see more spirits. You see more entities. You see more dimensional things. You see more energy. You experience things that are of a paranormal level. You reach hyperdimensional levels of consciousness that other people can't even begin to understand. Do you understand? But the idea is, is to find ways to get your sixth sense to work, 
to kick it into gear in ways that fool it to do things. And then all of a sudden you realize you can do these things at will and you begin to experiment and to, to relate to things and you begin to expand on those things. People who don't work their sixth sense, of course, it doesn't exist for them. If you never listened or were able to touch or smell, well, it would be something very hard for you to relate to or to understand. The sixth sense is one of the final sense to find God. To find what you're really looking for cannot be found only by your five senses. But you must be complete, for each one is a tool to find your way back to God. And because you're missing one, it's the loop that I believe that all philosophies and all teachings are missing. I believe that the reason why students do not reach enlightenment from other teachers that teach enlightenment is because they are missing the reality of understanding that in order to meditate to reach higher states of consciousness, I, somebody would say, well, in Buddhism, they teach you not to develop your psychic abilities or in Hinduism or whatever. And, I, and there's a lot of argument I can give why I don't believe that to be true, even though it may be in the doctrine, it may be written that way, but there was reasons for that. Because nobody could really talk about it. Because people were fearful of the ability to read your mind or have powers over another person or you could perceive into their mind and, and know, you know certain things. The point is is that they would never have had people give them money to support the monasteries. They never would have been supported to have children brought to help build the next generation of spiritual you know, uh, students, per se, for the Buddhists or for the Hindu or for whatever, that people would have been so fearful that they would have been pushed away. So instead, they said, no, we're peaceful, we're this, we're that, we don't push for these paranormal abilities and stuff. They kind of pushed it underneath the carpet so that they could get along with the red cell world, so they could get along with mankind, because mankind was a necessity to help in a relationship so that both could successfully achieve their goals. And I believe this is why history has extracted it from books and why it's been written certain ways and why openly spiritual people would have to say, no, we don't really profess that. But in the secret teachings, in the secret teachings, of course they would tell the inner circle what the deal was. Of course they would say, look, there's a sixth sense. This is what you need to achieve. You need to develop. If you're going to understand or find your connection to God, this is what you need to understand. And don't be afraid of it. And we're going to teach you not to be afraid of it because now we've earned your trust and you understand a lot more than the average person does. We've spent years teaching you. So now we're going to show you the real thing now. We're going to help you find what you're really looking for. We're going to teach you to see and to hear and to taste and to feel in another way that you never thought imaginable. And without that, without that sensory, without that offer, every spiritual master, in my opinion, knows that they would never have a successful student. Do you understand? So, in order to know God, to really, truly know God, you need all of your senses. To understand what God is, I can't say to you in just words. I can't wave my hands around and paint a picture of what God is. I can't have you listen to a piece of music and say, this is what God is. But I'll swear... All of them are a reflection of God in some way. If you smell something beautiful, it's certainly a piece of God. If you see something beautiful, it's a piece of God. But your five senses, no matter how well attuned, how close they can bring you, will never be the final chapter to completing what you're really looking for inside your spirit, that ache, that need, that feeling. Because there's something missing. 
And that's why people go on and on and on their whole life. Never, never quite there, never quite complete. You read it in all the poets' works, you see it in all the master artists' works, you hear it in all the greatest musics developed and created, but there's something they're all still aching for, as if they've made it to the very fringe of what they were really, really, really looking for, which is God in the end for all living beings. But it's as if something didn't quite take them there. And it's about the sixth sense. As I was saying earlier, if one learns to meditate, and they're told, well, you're not supposed to develop your spiritual abilities, but yet, by meditating, you one day will all of a sudden find enlightenment. I think that's not correct, and I will care to differ and debate that with my peers of spiritual teachers, because I think that they themselves are misled in some ways, and I mean, I may sound very bold and arrogant to say that, but it, call it a theoretical approach for the matter. The point is, is that every great spiritual master has demonstrated what would be considered paranormal abilities. The very thing they're told not to really do or to to use, they themselves use. They see the future, they heal the sick, they move objects uh, through their mind, they appear to have numerous amounts of psychic abilities that they demonstrate in different ways. I think it's that very development that somehow they figured out on their own that led them to their own enlightenment, their own find of a hyperdimensional consciousness, their own ability to enter into that realm of understanding. And I think the only reason they came back and they said, well, don't do this and don't do that, is again, was the whole approach because society would not have accepted them. They would have been fearful of them. It would have been like the witch trials, just different century, different culture. It's a fear of whatever we can't understand that we attack or we push away. So there, there was a, a lot of political arena or communication where, where these things had to be swept underneath the carpet. So my example of this is to say, is if the sixth sense exists, and I, I certainly believe it is or does, then it's to say that all these people who are meditating, searching to find some form of enlightenment in the vast numbers never do. And I think that the ones who, who actually do find it, the ones that, who do find it, they don't come forward and say this, but in their own way have already developed some kind of sixth sense within them. They've either dabbled with it on the side or intellectually thinking it, found a way to loop into that. But they found that and integrated with their teaching was the final piece they needed to find the higher consciousness. So I, I would say to a person, well, if, if in fact, you're going to find enlightenment through meditation and you're told that that's what you're going to do, I ask you one thing. How is it that you learn this tool? And I would be told, well, what do you mean? Because this is a discussion I've had with a student of mine. And I would say, well, if you learned meditation, it was a formula of knowledge somehow you attained. How did you attain it? Well, he says, I, I read a lot. I said, so you used your eyes. And he's like, yeah. And he says, I listened to tapes. I said, so you used your ears. And he says, and I, and I watched videotapes and different techniques. Are shown. And so I said, so you practice with your hands and your sensory and your eyes and your ears. And he's like, yeah. So the formula that you got to find what you were looking for was based upon data collected through your sensories. And he's like, yes. I said, so what would happen if I told you that the, the sixth sense wasn't used, that you're missing a final piece to what you're really looking for. And all these years of meditating countless hours every single day, 
isn't going to give you what you're really looking for in the end, that you fooled yourself or that you're under an illusion to find what you really want. And this was profound from somebody who said to me that you shouldn't develop, you know, your psychic abilities or your sixth sense because they're told in scripture per se in spiritual levels that you shouldn't bother. So this is revolutionary. So when I say to you, in order to serve God, you must truly be able to understand God. You must be able to find God. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here now? That through the development of your sensory, through the development of your training, through me pushing buttons, moving your emotions, making you think, pushing you through this mill of, of working your mind, per se, my hope is, is to be pushing your sixth sense to come forward, to use your other sensory without you realizing you're necessarily doing it. And in so doing, the byproduct is, is you begin to awaken. And you begin to have the ability to now perceive the final puzzles to finding God, that which you are seeking most in your life. That is what is missing inside of you that you ache for to understand, to serve. But more importantly, to understand what it is it's asking you to do. If you don't have ears, how is it that you can hear somebody telling you what their need is from a distance? If you don't have eyes, how is it that you're going to be shown what you need to do? Now, it's not to say you can't do it. It's not to say that you couldn't have somebody write it down for you if you were deaf or somebody couldn't put it in Braille. But imagine the chances of that information getting to you. Imagine if you had to find it with Braille and you had no one else really to help you so easily. What are your chances of finding what you're looking for? Maybe you need help teacher, a friend, or someone's trying to show you what you need to do or how to get there or how to help you. But still in the end, something as complex as God, we're talking about the ultimate piece of information now. It's not going to be something readily or easily that we're going to find so readily or easily. So therefore you have to have a respect and a realization that it's going to take a great deal of effort to find what you're looking for. Do you understand? So, I think God is not a man or a woman. And we're all past that. We know that God's probably an organism and it's a consciousness and it's an energy. But it's an energy that's constantly here, now, in this room, at this very moment. But your sensory doesn't see it, just like counting the letter F's on that sheet of paper. It's elusive to your mind. It's to say that if you have, you were deaf right now, we could have blaring music going on and everything would seem as calm and surreal as possible. And we would have no idea why the cats abandoned us or why the, why their neighbors would be banging on the walls and we couldn't even hear them. It would be as serene and beautiful as, as ignorance can be bliss. So God is here right now. God is absolutely vibrantly loud. Full of life. The problem is, is you cannot experience him fully because you're missing one of the final things to help you find what it is you're looking for. So to know your purpose, to know what it is that you crave to do or to, to serve, to understand and to be in the presence of God, to know that you are loved, to experience the things that you seek most, lie in your own ability of determination to develop the last sensory 
in order to find what you're looking for. And in so doing, you find your answers. In so doing, you journey to levels of enlightenment, levels of consciousness that allow you to to perceive or to understand or to gather more pieces to the very things you're looking for most. Understand? Any other questions? Better think of some. Does God love us? Let me ask a question. How well do you know your body? A little bit. Do you have a personal relationship with your kidney, your liver, your heart? How about your thigh muscle? I don't think so. Okay. If I tried to harm it, what would you do? Protect it. Why? Because it's valuable. How is it valuable? Would you let me cut your shirt before I could cut your skin? Yeah. Okay. So you have a sensory of devotion to your body, correct? Yeah. But yet, we both know that your body's not you. We know that it's made out of living organisms, all independently separate from you. You're just a coexistent energy being that's somehow hot-wired in with it all. But they all live to serve you, don't they? Because in so serving you, they serve the whole, and the whole allows them to exist also. So it's a, it's a three-way kind of circus, if you want. Well... God very much is the same way. God will defend you with its life. God loves you, but yet you live and die. You have cells every single moment, even as you're sitting there dying right now. You have illnesses and poisons going through your body. There's numerous amounts of battles you have no idea about. And sometimes you can even get very close to the brink of death with colds or flus or diseases. But yet there is still always a constant struggle to survive. Are you not using your own will to encourage your own body to live when it gets into points like that? Is there not a part of you that connects with your inner universe and and wants it to fight the virus and wants it to survive what it's going through? Well, yeah. The point is, is that God doesn't necessarily know who and what everybody is. It's not an important thing. It's no more important to God than it is to you. Now, that may sound like a horrible thing. It may sound like God doesn't really care. God cares, but it's such a much more bigger, expansive thing than you can imagine. You love every part of your body. You want the best for your body. Sometimes you make some good decisions, sometimes you make some bad decisions. But in reality, when you really would get boiled down to it, you would fight to live. You would fight for your body to survive. God loves all life. As much as you love your body, as much as you love your whole universe, even though you may not give it much thought, the point is, is you do. So, God loves everything. It's just a different kind of love than what we want to perceive. We want to perceive a loving, nurturing relationship like a mother and child. I think the bond of life is much more stronger that God has for us than even a mother and child. It's not to say that it can't be different kinds of loves. I think there's variations of it. But it's to say that, are you aware of every single cell in your body? Are you aware of even any of them? No. You mainly are aware of your main needs, your main sensory areas. There are certain areas that are important to you. But would you drink poison if you knew it was poison? Okay. 
Now, we somebody might make small arguments about coffee or alcohol or certain things, but we're really looking at extreme levels of consciousness and understanding. Well, the point is, is that God loves everybody as much as you love yourself. It doesn't mean that God is specifically aware of you. And we want to feel individual. We want to feel that God specifically has identified us and, and singled us out. And we have a special role. I think every single living being has a special role to God, whether they're red cells, white cells, planets, galaxies, call them whatever you want. Everything's vitally important. Wouldn't you say that pretty much you're concerned about every cell in your body for some level? I mean, maybe you could spare a few here and there, but you'd, you'd be concerned if there was a lot more on its way out. So the real question is, is not so much to, to hold God responsible or to be angry that God doesn't necessarily acknowledge us in the level that we want. Who are we to demand that? Who do we think we are that we're supposed to be so selectively chosen by God? I propose something different. I propose that God gave you a brain and intelligence and said, if you can find me, I'll be happy to meet with you. If if you can, can move yourself to some higher level, then I'm always here for you. If you don't want to try, well, then you have a right to live your life the way it is. They said that God gave us free will. If you want to find God, you have every single thing given to you to find him. You just have to put forth your effort, your will, in order to find God. If you choose to be in that place, to that experience with God, then you, you must work towards it. If it means meditating, if it means developing that sixth sensory, if it means whatever you need to do, you're, you're moving towards God. It's not like you're walking towards God, but in a way, you're traveling towards God. You're changing your octaves, your vibrations, your tonals. So eventually, you're just so there, you're in that presence. And of course, it's to say that some cell of your body all of a sudden said, Hey, I can acknowledge you to some level, or, 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 or here I am. Do you see what I'm saying? It's about stepping forward in a way. White cells do it every day. White cells have a much more active relationship in the body than red cells. Red cells kind of do the bodily thing, but they're very much about, this is what I feel like I need to do. They do the job. Da, 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 da. A white cell feels a need to preserve something greater where the red cell doesn't. It can identify where the bad guys are, where the red cell couldn't tell the difference and it could care less. Why does the white cell acknowledge these things? Because it's on a higher level of understanding. There's a different relationship for it than for the red cells. Both are critically important, but to the white cell, it's not a matter of, of importance. It's just a matter of it serving what it feels that it needs to do for something greater than itself. It doesn't have to perceive who you are or even know who you are. It knows your presence. And how I know that is, is when people get sick, they know in cancer studies and various research that when they're more positive, that their, their immune system rises. The white cells get stronger. It's as if some power of the force is feeding them, encouraging them, supporting them, empowering them to fight some kind of disease that's destroying everything. And they're receptive to it. How is it that they're receptive to it? Because they understand the force. They know who you are. They may not know you as, as this person or that person, but they know what's in here, what's in you. They feel you and they're loyal to you. They're loyal to you to the bitter end. 
And if you just rally them on, if you're just willing to help, they'll, they'll fight to the bitter end. If they're going to go, they're going to go. But they'll fight to the bitter end if you ask them to. As full well as any white cell in our reality of thinking would. Right or wrong. So their relationship is greater than those of the red cells, in my opinion. And they seek it out. For some reason, they, they just choose to live in a different level of relationship in your energy field for whatever their existence is, which is, which is nothing compared to your existence. Your infinity, you're ancient compared to them. In retrospect, you want to develop a relationship with that field of energy. The more that you can relate to that field of energy, the more that you're going to understand and perceive and conceive and understand and relate to whatever it is that you feel that you need to be part of. It's what's going to complete you. More than likely, you're never going to understand what God is completely. No more than the white cells in your body will ever completely understand who you are. And this, this reality is beyond them. But is it so important to understand it? Is it not more important that it'll be so complex as it is already that you, it doesn't even matter? Do you follow me? That you have to have your own experience of God, but it doesn't matter how extensive it's got to be. It'll be extensive enough. It's about you moving into that presence and being able to convey or understand or communicate or experience better so that you can do the best that you can to serve. No more, no less than the white cells in your body would want. I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I certainly think in some ways it would. It's it's not that God is some man on a throne. You know, he's not a giant. He's not a midget. He's not flying around on a spaceship or whatever. He's... It is, you're already within God. God is here. All you have to do is to choose to see, to experience. It's just a matter of, of awakening. Every single culture, every single belief, I think, already knows this. The problem is, is, is the words fall on deaf ears. If you say, seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive, knock and the door shall be open. It, what is it telling you? It's, it's saying it's all already here. It's just a matter of choosing to put forth the effort to do it. And nobody really wants to. They just would rather just do the red cell thing and just automate and get through life and that's that. So in order to find something beyond that, you, you have to put forth some kind of will, some kind of effort, some kind of of will to want to, to be on that other level and to work it to get there and to be there and to remain there. And everything that I believe that I teach really helps you to find all those things whether it be right and left hemispheres of the brain or masculine and feminine polarities to various techniques and training, whatever. But I think it makes people stronger, more emotionally stable. Everything that you need to achieve what it is that you're looking for, it, it helps you to become a more complete person in a lot of ways. And that completeness is the foundation to you being able to move into that sixth century into something higher without having the demands of, of smaller problems in your life constantly distracting you to achieve something that's very difficult to do. Do you understand? Questions? How can we learn to experience sixth sense? You learn by meditating. You learn by, by watching your teacher. You learn by different things that I'm going to teach you over time. I'm going to teach you how to shift your consciousness. I mean, there's a lot of terminology that I use 
that you probably won't know what it is until we kind of kind of clue you in or say, well, this is what we mean by that or this is what we mean by that. It doesn't necessarily mean specifically what the word says, but because there's just some things that cannot be explained in typical language, we've almost come up with our own formulas of trying to express it or explain it through analogies or, or makeshift ideas of, of how to express it. But you will learn to breathe. You will learn to hear. You will learn to see in ways that you've never done before. And sometimes you have. Sometimes people cross over. It's like ancient memory. They feel a certain way for a moment, or they daze off into this place that feels really good, but it's not about a place at all. Sometimes they, they smell something that makes their mind backflash to intensive memories. Sometimes they can hear a sound in the distance that, that moves their spirit somehow. They cross. They experience it, but not long enough. They don't know how to hang on to it. They don't know what to do with it when they find it, when they experience it. Mostly, it's about having some kind of understanding of what all these things are. It's about having some kind of tool to conceive or to organize it in such a way that you can make it useful to you. That's what I do. That's what I teach. I help you to put it into a perspective that you can utilize it better. In this reality, in this dimension, human beings have to tag and categorize everything in their mind. When you have somebody who understands how the human mind thinks, how it operates, how it perceives intellectually, how it understands things, it's then easier than to find a formula to help you figure out a way out of this dimension. Do you understand? But you gotta work with what you have. You can't ignore it. If you got arms and legs and you, you think a certain way, well then you, you've gotta work with what you have. It doesn't mean that you can't find a way out of it, you just have to see how creative you are to do it. So that's where it begins. And it's going to take time, it's going to take effort, it's going to take conversations at first. Philosophical ideas must be understood. You must understand things that we're talking about now and understand why we're doing these things, why we're talking about these things, why these topics. You, you must have an understanding of theoretical formulas. Once you have that, once you have a good grasp of theoretically what the universe looks like as far as I perceive it and how it functions and how God is, is an organism and energies and frequencies. Once you understand all that, I can't quite explain it, but it's like some part of your sixth sense just starts kicking in. It's to say like I often watch sometimes um, Helen Keller and uh, she was this girl who was deaf and blind, and, and um, she had no real sensory of the outside world. And what happened was she rebelled against it. She had no perception of our reality at all because she was missing the two biggest sensories to, to help put it all together. And as she learned or was forced to learn, more or less, she began to accept an idea or concepts of what water was, and it was given a name. And certain textures were given a name. She became more educated. All of a sudden, her world exploded. She, she entered our world. Even though she lacked the sensory, she was able to compensate in other ways. Do you follow what I'm saying? And enter and share relationships and communicate and to experience. It's as if she was always on the outer edge, always wanting to know, but never really able to go in. And it's interesting because I watched a documentary once where she was saying that before she understood what everything was, that she always had this sensory 
of understanding what certain things were, but she, he, she says it was always out of her reach. Like she says she didn't have a word for it or understanding for it. So she could never experience it as if she was like kind of denied. And what I'm saying to you is, is as, as you learn from me, as you listen to what I'm saying, as I'm teaching you how to, to understand dimensions and feelings and vibrations and tonals and, and all these things I'm going to show you that you can, exp- that you experience every day. You just have no idea you're doing it. The point is, is all of a sudden you just awaken. All of a sudden you just begin to understand. It just makes sense to you. The same way she had this mental breakthrough. At some point where she was, was, was being taught, she didn't get it. Every time she, her hands were put in water, the, 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 the lady would, would spell out water in her hands so she could feel what it, what it was. She didn't get it. And then all of a sudden one day, she got it. And she says, no way. This is, this is represents water. And then she was like, well, wait a minute. She touches this and she says, show me. And she goes, pillow. And she goes, oh. And then, so she got it. It was a, it's like a, like a, like a light going off in her head. And all of a sudden this reality went, right into her so she could she could begin to experience it in order for you to understand hyperdimensional consciousness in order for you to understand god in order for you to understand all of these these other things that i'm talking about it's going to take time to, for you to listen to what i'm saying and as i'm talking as i'm trying to to show you different things and giving you different examples or explaining things to you or showing you how to do certain things. It's building that awakening up. It's building something that's all of a sudden you, you just get it. And then you're going to say, I get it. And then we're going to say, okay, now we're going to take you even higher. Now I'm going to show you something even higher. And you're going to go, well, you might say to yourself, well, why wouldn't I understand that right away? Because it's like a whole nother level sensory that you need your first level of sensory to begin to understand in order to do. It's to say, I can teach you if you've never used your hands before to pick up a coffee mug, to pick up a stone and feel it, to touch something. That would be like one breakthrough then. Do you see what I'm saying? It would be another breakthrough through to train you how to make pottery with your hands without it collapsing or warping. It would be another thing to teach you how to play an instrument so that you could experience emotions in a whole nother level, a whole nother gift of a doorway. Doorways are open through your hands. Doorways are open through your eyes. You may perceive beauty in in a flower, but it's another to perceive the beauty in artwork with people gesturing their bodies in a certain way and understanding and getting it so that you can go to another level. So, as you have breakthroughs in your consciousness, the idea for me is to keep showing you even more things that you can do. And that's what makes you angelic in the end. That's what, what, what refines you into enlightenment. That's what makes you compassionate and, and beautiful and, and understanding. And you realize that ego and eccentricism and all of these things that you thought you really understood and you would, you might point at somebody and say, oh, they're this way or that way. Once you have a greater palette of understanding, it's you really understand how trife those things really are when you try to understand them in, in some limited way. But you can't be expected to understand until you get there. The most that you can hope for is that you have the patience and the compassion for yourself to get there, you know, on your own through work, through effort, through teaching, having a good good teacher, really. So that's that's what it's about. I think that every time I have a student and you show them so many things, you know, I, I, sometimes I think students, you know, you know, as, as I don't want to mention names, 
but and you, some of you guys know of students, you know, they think they get to that pivotal point and they've, they've got it all. I mean, how can it go beyond that? You know, they're like, they're seeing universes, they're humming, you know, their whole body's vibrating like this love of God. And then I'm like, well, you know, they're like, well, that's it. That, you know, how, how much greater can it be? And then in a way they become self-consumed even at that level. And, you know, it's, it's funny because they're always leveled when I go, well, let me show you something else. And they, it's just almost impossible to believe that it can even go to some other level. But I always, I always say you, it never will end. The day that it ends is the day that I retire. You might as well just, I'll just peacefully leave the universe and, and I call it true death. Like some people say they die, that's the end of them. Well, I don't think that's really the end. It's just depending on what you choose. But, you know, it's, that's it. I, I want it to go forever. You know, it's show me a new piece of music. I'll fall in love with, with the, the next Beethoven or Mozart or whatever. And in its in itself, they keep coming out with their own new music that goes beyond their first music. So how can you expect to just all of a sudden figure out the universe? As good as it gets, it always gets better. And I think that's wonderful. Who would want it to stop? Who wants it to just be completed at some point? I just hope to God that I have the ability to at least be able to have it myself in the presence of experiencing that I can begin to even comprehend what it is. If you can't sit down and, and hear certain music, what a shame that is. So it never surprises me when students often think that they've hit some kind of pivotal level where that's the end all of all end alls and it can't get better than that. And, and it's, it's, I just shake my head and I go, you have no idea. You know, you, you have no idea. Next question. Come on, you guys got to come up with questions now. Can men create consciousness? You're going to have to be just a little bit more specific. What do you mean by that? Oh, I guess begin with what really defines consciousness is Mm -hmm. men separates. I think that consciousness is a multi-variety answer. I don't think there's any one specific way of, of saying consciousness. I think for the most part, what people think is consciousness is really an echo of, of life. And I think that consciousness is to be self-aware, but I think even in self-awareness, you're really kind of asleep. So is that conscious or unconscious? Okay. It's to say that in life we react to things. Well, biochemically, I think it's just also an equation is, is your computer conscious? Can it not multitask? Does it not seem to respond to certain things? When do we realize whether it's conscious or not conscious? The point is, is if we put in a super chip computer to make it have a thousand variables to a thousand reactions, and it seems to seamlessly react to everything appropriately as we see it, does it mean it's conscious now? I think human beings are in a lot of ways are unconscious, but they think they're conscious. And all of our emotions, our feelings, how we react to things, I think are things we're programmed to respond to in a very specific way. And I think that people are very automated. And I think that there's a lot of amazing beauty in things. And sometimes I'm always surprised by a little something. I go, wow, that's a little piece of consciousness now. That's real reality. I think that true spiritual seeking leads to true consciousness in the end. And that you almost have to remove yourself from everything. That's kind of what meditation is about. That if you can remove yourself from things in life that maintain 
your random thinking or what looks like random thinking because it's not. It's you react to things, so it keeps you in a program in a way. You if something happens, you respond a certain way. You you come into a house, you respond a certain way. I mean, all of these things are programmed that are initiating all of your responses. Do you see what I'm saying? It's very complex. When you meditate and you extract yourself from all thought. You only have one last thing, and, and that is to possibly head into some arena that is true consciousness. Because once you let all the other programming stop, or you make it stop, then you go into this inner place that is of a, of a, a more unique place. Because you, there's not something pre-written there for you. There's not. There's. It's just something that's beyond you. And then you, it's a different kind of consciousness. Do I think that man? can have true consciousness or create true consciousness. Yes, I do believe, but I do believe that it's hard and I do believe it's part of a, what some people would call enlightenment. I think that everybody has a level of consciousness. Everybody has potential. Everybody has the potential of finding true consciousness. In some ways, we all have a, a portion of it to react to things, but I think that there's a greater portion that controls our consciousness. So we got to acknowledge that with a little bit of consciousness we do have and empower it to awaken. Do you understand? We have to utilize that so that we can awaken the very things that I'm talking about. So I do believe that people do have some level of consciousness. And some people have a little bit more or are able to exercise it a little bit more than others. But I guess yes and no. It's, it's, it's a matter of perspectives. As I said before, it's, it's a pretty tough thing to, to kind of tackle. But I guess in some ways I would say red cells don't have consciousness as fully. It's not to say they don't, but not as fully as white cells. I think white cells seem to somehow have a higher level of consciousness. And I think that the more consciousness that they begin to understand or achieve or maintain, hence the word maintain, determines what, what level of ability or what level of spiritualness they have is, is, and their real consciousness of what's really going on around them. Good enough? So, I think that those understandings of finding God, which real, I mean, I could sit here and tell you all day long, you know, this is what God is, but it, it doesn't really mean no more than what anybody else is claiming. What the real answer is, is for me to show you, you know, so that you can show yourself, is to, is to, to kind of, I can lead you to water, I can't make you drink it, but I can help you find it. You know, and I think that most spiritual people, whether they be Christian or whatever, I mean, I think they're claiming the same thing. They're saying, here, I can give you a formula to find God to what I found. And I think we all have our ideas of what that formula is. So, again, that's a matter of perception also. I just think my idea is better than theirs, and they think their idea is better than mine. There you go. I think that when you meditate, and you can be in such a spiritual place of calmness. I think somehow, in some way, God is present with you. I think that you can feel it if you choose to feel it. It's almost like you have to allow it. But you can have God come into you if, if you allow it. And that's what I think. I think that if you want to experience God, you just have to surrender everything that you think you are. And that you have to remove yourself from everything that holds you in this reality and set yourself free. And if you set yourself free, there's nowhere else to go because God is always there. You just simply 
all of a sudden realize what's been there the whole time and it's allowed to come to you. It's like, it's like, you know, it's like what was once said by somebody who was a religious person seeing another person meditate. They were like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you, you shouldn't be meditating. You should, you know, be praying to God. And the person responded, well, you know, praying to God's talking at God. God should already know all of our needs, all of our desires. What's more important is, is that I listen to God. And when I meditate, I'm listening to God. I'm listening to what it's trying to say to me instead of talking at it. So when you can allow yourself to go to such a place, you allow yourself to experience God. When I have done spiritual things, when I have shown miraculous things, never once has it been when I've been in the dough. Never once has it been when I've been you know it's when I just surrender everything in my heart it's like you just let God step into you and it's really God just orchestrating everything and you're just there where you need where he needs you to be he's energy so he needs to utilize something in this dimension so you're you're the most gratifying tool for it and that's really what it's about it's about just allowing yourself humbly to be that representation for God to step through you does that make any sense? Whenever I face what you want to call evil, and I've seen greater evil than I would, would probably even probably discuss, you know, there's the man that's part of you that's like, wow, this is intense, this is scary. And then it's like you almost say, okay, well, I'm going to step aside now, and you just let this power step into you, and it's you just realize how small anything that you face is. It's just, you know, police size. You can't it's it's just a beautiful thing. I don't know how else to explain it. It's it's like a hum. It's like a song. It's like being hugged by your mother, you know, who loves you or a grandmother or something. It's it's the strength of a warrior or an army. It just goes beyond words. There's no words that can describe it, but it, it's profound. It comes from being clear. It comes from being in a state of mind that, that is receptive so that you can let it step through into you because it won't approach you. If it thinks in any way, shape, or form that you're unwilling, if you have any doubt, it won't step forward. You have to be so understanding of your own energy. You have to have such a relationship with your consciousness that you can allow it to flow through you, that that's really the key. And that's from practice, and that's from being in tune, and that's from understanding and you have to be careful you don't freeze up. You know, you don't you don't panic. You have to understand what it is and you have to understand stitch. I think that, that God is so conscious of you and not wanting to hurt you that God won't even approach you if he thinks there's a chance you might be startled. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's how receptive and how kind God is, is the only way I can explain it. It's just, you know, so respective to you as as a force, as a power. That it, it wants you to really willingly and openly work with it and it'll it'll work through you. And of course understanding that balance goes right back to everything that I've said. Any other questions? Can you speak of the intelligence and consciousness of evil? Well, I mean what do you want to know? I mean it, it how does it compare to God? Well or relate. I see God as is profoundly beyond evil. I don't even think that there's a comparison if you look at the whole, but you got to understand when I refer to God, 
as being the body of the universe, I refer in this dimension. What I'm really not saying or really elaborating on is that I think God is multidimensional. So not only do I think in frequencies, meaning that God is presently here, it's what frequency you're on, but more importantly, that on dimensions in, in other universes per se, or whatever you want to call it, that God resides in those places, well, those can move up in bigger octaves. And in the higher octaves, only God exists. There is no evil there. There is no counterforce of energy. Now, as God moves down in these octaves of energy, which each slice of the dimension of space, which is our galaxy, our universe per se, and then it could be another universe, another universe. But as you move up in these octaves, they're higher, and they, they begin to change. They become more energy kind of universes and frequencies and whatever. Even this is an energy universe. I mean, nothing is really what you think it is. So as God approached this dimension and, and it took his energy and created the Big Bang, per se, in this dimension... There's a law of physics. As you keep changing octaves of energy, you have different laws of physics, different reactions to your reaction. And in so doing was the creation of the dark side. And the dark side in this particular case is anti-life, meaning anti-matter. We're all matter. Our physicalness is matter. And because it doesn't want us, it wants to remove the presence of matter. Now, the highest level of matter that's between energy and physicalness is consciousness. Do you understand? Because everything you touch, you feel, and everything is, is matter, but it's converted into a, a higher format of matter because of energy, your consciousness. So it sees life on planets as a threat because planets on a larger scale is more the meat to the dark side rather than dealing with the microbes. We're microbes. Do you understand what I'm saying? But it, it deals with the microbes because the microbes can destroy the whole of the larger. It's the same thing, micro-macro, your own body. It's to say, you're not destroyed. A giant virus doesn't come by and clonk you over the head to kill you. And on a micro level, it tries to just destroy you from, from a lower level on out. Do you follow me? It's the same thing. It's that, you know, you could say as living beings, there are people that I believe have very dark abilities call them the dark side. There are people who practice the dark arts or call it whatever you want, which is the whole conversation. So, but they tap into this counterforce, this dark side energy, and they use that for their own good. They, but it's, it's like a virus in your body. It's the same way a virus can operate and mimic other things in your body, and the white cells have to figure it out and hopefully defeat it. In essence, if you're asking how intelligent the dark side is, I would say it's extremely intelligent, but not as intelligent as God. But it does not mean it's not a threat. Do you follow me? It doesn't mean that it's not even a, that. It means it's absolutely a powerful threat in this dimension. Do you understand? In some ways, it is a reflectiveness of God. So it mimics God, but in an opposite way of what its intentions or desire is. It wants just the opposite. Now, God is certainly keeping a step ahead of the game. Do you see what I'm saying? But in the same token, it, the dark side has won many battles. It's how much will God walk away with in the end? It's the real question. And this is the, the internal battle that's constantly going on between the two in this dimension. So, does that help to answer your, your question at all? So, does God allow the dark side or evil forces to exist within its dimensions? Well, 
it doesn't let it exist in other dimensions because it just can't exist there. That's a whole other topic. But the point is, is that, you know, in some ways you could say that, that there's a truth that God likes to deal with the dark side because it's a challenge. It's a challenge that makes God think. On the same token, if God steps out of place once, well, he'll just be gobbled up. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's not going to go, oh, you slipped up. Here, let me help you up. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, it's, about, it's about being curious about something. I mean, it's like humans reflect a lot of what God is because we're part of God, okay? Do we or do we not flirt with disaster when we're curious? I mean, come on. I mean, you, you could ride a, a motorcycle. Why would you ride a motorcycle knowing that you're flirting with disaster on a higher level? Do you follow what I'm saying? Why do we fly in airplanes? Why do we scuba dive? Why do we feed shark with, with meat and stuff and, or, or lions? I mean, it's in a sense, we're, we are a small reflection of God, almost it looking at the dark side, wanting to counter it. But at the same point is, is to say that there's so much in this dimension in life to experience that it's not just that you're flirting with disaster. It's you're holding off disaster so you can experience everything else that's wonderful. I mean, as you're riding the motorcycle, you're also feeling the sun on your face, the wind in your hair, the, the, just the, the open freedom of certain things. You're always aware of the risk, and you're trying to be careful. Well, that's what God's doing in this universe. He's, he is experiencing the immense, profound amount of possibilities here. Do you follow me? On the same token, he has to be extremely careful because there's always something out to destroy him, just like, just like us. I mean, we're constantly breathing in viruses that are out to kill us. There's constantly a battalion of preventive battles going on to make sure that you make it as long as you can, the best that you can. So because there's a counterforce, does that mean that you shouldn't exist? Should you just pack it up and leave? Or would you like to live life as much as you can? You try to live life as much as you can. God is trying to experience this universe as much as God can. I don't understand that. When you say that God is trying to experience the universe when God is all-knowing. Who said God is all-knowing? That's what I thought, since he's God. God's not all. God is all-knowing to man, because man is very limited in his intelligence. But does that mean that that we have to perceive that in comparison to us, that God is all-knowing, or is it wrong to assume that God isn't all-knowing? Because we can't say for sure that's the case. Listen, God was all-knowing. I give you this one argument. Then what is the need for any of this? What difference would it make? Why would you play the same video game if you knew every single thing that it was going to do before it did it? Well, in reality, if you knew everything it was going to do before it did it, in reality, you wouldn't even bother to do it. Because you've already done it all. It's already happened. The universe is curiosity for God. Him coming into this dimension is is to see what is going to happen. What are all the possibilities? It's to to experience this immense comfort complex experience but there are things even God doesn't even know and thank God I'm sure he's thoroughly entertained the point is is curiosity God is a young God in my opinion he could be 20 quadrillion years old what is that compared to to time itself does time even exist so God is experiencing just like we do on a micro level what is the what would you do if there was nothing for you to do all day tell me if you knew everything, what would you do? There's one thing you would do. You would try to find the one thing you don't know. I think it's a very simple equation. Does that disappoint you? No. God wants to live. 
God wants to experience. God wants to understand. It's just on a much bigger level than what we are. It's just, a, just on a whole different level, a whole different extremeness. Sometimes someone like me coming from a Christian background will try to box God in my own ideas, and that causes me a lot of trouble. Like the need to constantly feel like I need God to love me or acknowledge me. Well, the, the point is, is, is God does love you and God does acknowledge you. It's just not the way that you, you would expect it to be. Right. And that's, that's the thing. And, you know, people talk about vanity and ego all the time. And, and it is a form of vanity and ego to expect God to love you on the terms that you think he should love you on. Are there finite dimensions? Well, what is your interpretation of finite dimensions? Is God, like, at the top? And going down, is there any high frequency that doesn't get beyond you know, low frequency? I would say that there are many. Well, you need to be careful when we use the term frequencies, because frequencies is a very human term in proportion to sound, and we relate to that. This is, again, how the brain catalogs ideas. And if I'm not careful how I explain this, and everybody will say, oh, well, those are frequencies of sound. He doesn't know what he's talking about, okay? I refer to frequencies... Because it's an analogy to help describe something to people who may not understand terms of dimension or multiple dimensions or, or whatever we may spew out there. So for the sake of saying it, does God reside in one dimension? I will say no. God is multidimensional. How many dimensions can God exist in? I think it's infinitive. Why bother counting? Uh, do I think that there's higher and lower? I think in terms that we have to think in human beings that we are forced to think in terms of higher and lower. But I would certainly say that there are regions that God purely exists in, can only exist in. And there's places where darkness, if we want to call it that, because I don't think it's anything until God enters it, because there must be a reaction. You follow what I'm saying? But it's to say that, are there places that the dark side purely exists in? For us, no. Because if it purely exists there, it doesn't matter because we wouldn't exist there because it's, it's, if it's completely dark side, then there is no existence of matter. Do you see what I'm saying? There's no, it does not matter. Do you follow me? What matters is, is, is that there's a reaction here and it wants to remove it. It's a countering reaction. Do you follow what I'm saying? And therefore, that's really all that one needs to really understand for here and for now. I would probably say if you were to ask me are there places that would be more dark side than in our dimension I would certainly say heck yeah absolutely there's some pretty profoundly dark places and you could say some people say well you need darkness can only exist if there's light and light can only exist if there's darkness per se or evil can only exist versus if there's good well there, there's probably some truth to that but I, I also see that as action and non-action or reality becoming functional or non-functional which is a whole other debate what matters is somewhere is this is a middle ground you could say it doesn't necessarily mean it's specifically the middle ground for our dimension but it's, a, it's, a, it's an arena in itself and I think that in a a few quadrillion eons of time, God will walk away from dealing with it because it, it won't matter. It'll, it'll move on to other things. But right now, for us to think in terms of quadrillions of years is such an infinitive amount of time that it's infinity in itself for us. So what's more important is, is working on what God wants for an agenda now because that's what we're here to do. And that would be the goal. Whether he can achieve it or not will be determined by the things that are involved here and now. Does that make sense for you? Next question.
Is there a reincarnation? Absolutely, there's reincarnation. The majority of people, red cells, do not have reincarnation. I do not believe. I believe that uh, white cells do have reincarnation. I think it's a necessity to carry over information. It's just like white cells in your body. You never catch the same cold twice. Why? Because your white cells remember how to defeat or what the sequence or frequency is defeating the viruses it dealt with. So you never catch the same virus because immediately it can recognize it. Immediately knows its weaknesses, how to defeat it. So even though the, the cold is wiped out or you say the white cells are killed in the process of fighting and fighting and fighting, somehow all of that winning knowledge is attained back into the new white cells being born. Do you see what I'm saying? Because it's constantly cycling the body. Somehow that information is carried over. It's like, a, it's like a big log book. It just keeps bigger, getting bigger, and getting bigger. Do you follow me? And that's what I would consider a, a soul in a way, but it's, it's a micro soul, or it's, it's kind of this conscious throw over of data. And I think that on a planet level, I think that there's human beings or white cells memory have carryover knowledge that goes from one life to the other. Is free will absolute? Well, what do you mean is free will absolute? I mean, does the soul have absolute, not so much control, but choice? A soul has more choice as a soul progresses. As you, as you become more powerful and you build what I call your other bodies... Okay, like your soul, but your soul isn't really your primary body. It's a soul can have other bodies in it. Just like you would, would say this is your main body, you have actually multiple bodies in my opinion. As you develop multiple bodies, it's to say that you become stronger and stronger and stronger. And in so doing, you have more options in this dimension, this universe, to move beyond yourself. A lot of people ask us, where is the best place to start with our courses and material? The fundamental backbone of everything in our catalog is the Foundation Meditation System. This is a unique meditation technique geared to the purpose of absorbing prana, stimulating key regions of the body that enhance sensory development, and allow one to tap into a source of unbridled spiritual energy. Foundation Meditation can be learned in our book, Meditation Within Eternity, or you can visit our website, foundationmeditation.com, to acquire the audio course. Again, that's foundationmeditation.com. Each of Eric's books comes with a secure readers-only section online that contains a treasure trove of complimentary free training material. When you add up all the free training you get with each book, you have a combined total value of over $1,000 in additional content. This includes classes, guided meditation exercises, and more. Digital and physical copies are available at higherbalancebooks.com. Order the set on discount now, and we'll also send you a free guru deck in the mail for physical orders. Again, that's higherbalancebooks.com. Go there now, order your set, and join the growing movement of spiritual adepts. Follow us on Instagram at higherbalanceinstitute, all one word. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. Meditation. It's more than just relaxation. There are different kinds of meditation, just like there are different tools to do a job. 
finding the right kind of meditation will decide whether you awaken or whether you just simply drift. Energy. More than just a thought, but of movement that you can literally feel through your body. Visions. More than a faded idea within your consciousness, but rather a vivid reality so clear it'll make you question reality itself. Meditation, if used properly, will show you how to move the currents of your mind into a better life, a more prosperous life, consciousness expanding, memory improvement, inner balance, higher balance. Most of all, discover who and what you are and what you can do. Join us at Higher Balance Institute. We'll help change your world. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.